So do you wrestle with this question? Why can't I trust the Bible? Or why should I trust the Bible? Do you wrestle with the question, why should I trust the Gospels? I mean, let's talk about the Gospels here. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Or why should I trust these Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Or maybe if you don't know, you don't struggle with, maybe you know someone who wrestles with these questions um, or with this question. And um, you may just think, you know, like for yourself, well, I don't struggle with that. You know, I just have accepted it and it's God's word. And so, I mean, that's just me. Well, if so, I want to just ask you, why? Why do you just accept it? Why, why do you just believe it? And, and it, I mean, because if you trust it, you need to know why you do. Um, now, this is a big question in society, and it might be a big question for some of you today because you've been wrestling with this in your own faith, in your own journey. But this is a big debate, and it's a vast debate in our, in our culture, and, and, and the debate is around the veracity of these four controversial books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these ancient texts. That have been around for thousands of years. And the reason we have this controversy is because if someone can disprove the Gospels and the writings of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then someone can prove Christianity to be a false hope. And there's so many people that do not want Christianity to be true. Now, if you're wrestling with this or you know someone who is wrestling with this or questioning this, I believe that many who are questioning this... Um, if they can trust the gospel or should trust the gospel um, or the Bible for that matter, are asking the wrong question. It's not can I or should I. The question they need to ask and needs to be addressed is why do we even have the gospels? Because this is the question. And do you know why we have the gospels? Do you know why we have these four ancient documents? We have the gospels because of the resurrection of Jesus. If it were not for the resurrection of Jesus, then there would not be any worldwide event to report. There would be nothing newsworthy to share. And and if it weren't for the resurrection of Jesus, there would be no reason for men, women, and even children to die for not just what they believed in or not just what they heard, but they died for what they saw. A resurrected Jesus. That event, the resurrection of Jesus alone, is why we have the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Luke. Luke was a first century historian who did his own research. And he went to these eyewitnesses. And here's how he begins his telling of Jesus' story. And if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open it up to the Gospel of Luke. And he starts off saying, many. I just want to stop there. He doesn't say some. Many. I mean, this was common in this. When when it's many, it's common, right? He goes, you won't have to look far to find this. Many um, have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants to the word. Now just stop right there. I mean, Luke points out something very important, that there are eyewitnesses to this. 
Not just eyewitnesses to a healing, not just eyewitnesses to what Jesus taught. These were eyewitnesses to an event, a resurrection of Jesus. And in verse 3, he goes, with this in mind, since I, my, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, and not the beginning of time. He's talking about the beginning of a man who would change the course of history, Jesus. He goes, since I, 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 I investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty. And some of you may in your notes or in your Bible need to just underline that word certainty because this is what you're uncertain of. You're uncertain of why he wrote this. Uncertain of the things you have been taught. He goes, I want you to be certain of the things you have been taught. And maybe you're here today and you're uncertain of what you've been taught. Or you're questioning it. Well, Jesus wants you to know about this. And this story Luke captures because he wants you to know the certainty in a world that is trying to get you to question the certainty of your faith. Now, this is why the answer to why we have the Gospels is so important. Because it is also the answer to the questions, can we trust the Gospels and should we trust them? Can we trust them and should we trust them? See, we can trust the gospel story because of the resurrection of Jesus. You can trust the gospel story because of the resurrection of Jesus. You can be certain of what is in this New Testament because of we wouldn't have it if there was no resurrection of Jesus. Without the resurrection of Jesus, there would be nothing to write about. There would be nothing to report. Jesus would have been lost in history. If it weren't for the resurrection and the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the other New Testament writings, the letters of, of John, the apostle, the letters of Peter, the letters of Jesus, brother James and his other half brother Jude, uh, the letters of Peter would all be lost. They would never even have been written if it weren't for the resurrection of Jesus. And this story is true and truly good news. And more on that. In a moment. My name is Casey, and I'm so grateful to share this time together with you. If you're new with us, we're so grateful to share this time together with you. For those online, we're so grateful to be wherever you are with you. And if, for those of you that are new with us, whether you're online or in the room, uh, we do have a gift for you after the service. For those in the room, if you'll go visit Miss Alicia in the back, she's waving right there, and she'd love to give you a gift for being with us today. And if you think about it, fill out the Connect card, and you can just, uh, that's located in the seat back in the chair in front of you, and you can also give that to you. For everyone online, we have a gift for you, and we We'd love to give you that gift. And they're posting a connect card. If you'll fill out that link and uh, uh, let us know that you're with us today, we'd love to uh, send you a gift. And now we want to let every one of you that are new with us and everyone online let you know how grateful we are to share this time with you. Will you do that with me, Westside? Let's let everybody know. Yeah. So we're going to look at the book of Luke and we're going to do a survey over the next eight weeks of the stories Jesus tells because Jesus tells these stories for a specific reason and you need to know why these are important. And Luke wants to give his audience and the purpose of his writing is he wants to give his audience an orderly account of the eyewitnesses account of Jesus story. 
and what happened. And so the readers would know the certainty of what they were taught. And I want to jump today into Luke chapter 4. So we're going to skip a little bit. I want to go to Luke chapter 4 today. And the reason I want to go to Luke chapter 4 is because I believe it's here that Luke introduces the framework for his account of Jesus' life that he's about ready to share with the world. And now Luke's intended audience was Theophilus. We read about him. We don't know much about Theophilus. In fact, we don't know anything about Theophilus. He could have been a very wealthy person. He was definitely a person of influence that, G, that Luke said, hey, I want you to know what you've been talk, taught about. And so in all of this, um, that's important to know that his audience was Theophilus. But uh, there's something else that's important to know. I believe the Holy Spirit inspired Luke because the Holy Spirit of God had an audience in mind. And that was the world. The world and you. And he wanted you to know this. And, and, and Luke wants the reader to know from the outset, as we're going to look here in Luke chapter 4, that Jesus fulfills a prophecy from Isaiah chapter 61. Uh, Luke, in Luke 4, is sharing an event that uh, actually occurs later in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark. And, and, and it's this time when Jesus is in Nazareth and he's teaching in the synagogues. But Luke puts this at the beginning of his teaching, and I believe he does this because he's creating a framework for the whole gospel uh, that he's about to share. Jesus was in the synagogue, as was his custom, and he would, whenever he came in, the rabbis there would give Jesus permission to preach. I mean, if Jesus is in the room and he's close, or you're going to give him the stage, just to put it that way. And so in this, um, he, he is given the book, which is a scroll of Isaiah, and it could have been one of many scrolls. It could have been one scroll. We don't really know. But he was given a scroll, and he opens it up, and he finds this place that we now have as reference as Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. And he reads this from the scroll of Isaiah, and Luke then quotes Jesus reading this in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Read this with me. This is Jesus reading the prophecy of Isaiah. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this is the moment he did the scroll drop. Thank you for laughing. I know it's cheesy. There was no microphone. He had a scroll. Actually, this is kind of an awkward moment <laughs> because you think about it. He, 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 has, he just stops, and then he rolls up the scroll. Who, who knows how long it took him to unroll it, and who knows how long it took him to re-roll it? <laughs> okay? So in this very awkward, silent, are you there yet <laughs> moment, um, he s- says this. He rolls up the scroll, gives it back to the attendant. And sits down. And when he sits down, this was the common place that the preacher in that synagogue, they would, they would preach from a seated place. The reader would stand, and then the preacher would sit. And he sits, and all the eyes of the room are locked on him. And look at this. Every, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on Jesus. And he began saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled. In your hearing. Oh, wow. I mean, do you recognize the moment that Jesus declared this was? Luke would go on to say, and if you have your Bible, you can go on and read this later today. In fact, I encourage you to read this later. Luke would go on to say that everyone was amazed at what they just heard, and they could not believe that this was Joseph's son. This is Mary, and Joseph said, can you believe that? He grew up here. And then some of them just couldn't believe it. 
mean, that's how, how can that be? I can't be the one who's the Messiah that that was written about. Now, um, what this word, this, this prophecy, and what Jesus says about this prophecy, he says he's fulfilled it. I love that word fulfilled that's in your, um, uh, in, in, in the Bible there that, that, uh, that Jesus says, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. I love that word in the Greek. And maybe the reason I love that word, it's one of the few words in Greek I actually really know. Um, and so that word is playru. And that word is interpreted in three different ways in our English New Testament. It's interpreted as fulfilled as this. It's also interpreted as filled or fill. Like if you fill something to the cup, you can't put any more in it. It's playrude, okay? It also means complete. Like for instance, for those of you at school, you have a, 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 an assignment that you must complete. Well, when you complete it, you playrude it. It's complete. Or for those of you at work, you've got a project at work. And, and you're glad you're done with the project. You playrude it. You completed it. Well, this is what Jesus was saying. In that moment, Jesus was completing God's work. He was saying, this now has been fulfilled. That prophecy has now been completed in your hearing because I've come to do what God has sent me to do. See, Jesus is good news. And his good news is favor for all. It's freedom. It's healing. It's justice. Luke would then write about Jesus doing these things, and he would demonstrate that, that Jesus would demonstrate this, this gospel good news of, the, uh, of, of what this was, of healing, justice, of, 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 uh, of recovery of sight for the blind, and of freedom for the captives, and favor for all, and the poor. And then... As Jesus would be leaving Nazareth, Jesus would say this, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to all the other towns also, because this is why I was sent. It's like a purpose statement. You want to know what Jesus' mission was? Right here, to preach the good news. And not just any good news. There is a specific good news. It was good news of the kingdom of God. It's the good news of God's kingdom. See, the kingdom of God is important to understand because if you don't know the kingdom of God, you don't understand the good news of God. See, the good news of the kingdom of God is, is important for us. To understand, See, the, good, the kingdom of God is God's rule and his authority over all things. The kingdom of God is his way of living, and, and, and it's his way of life. And the kingdom of God is also another thing. The kingdom of God is made up of the people who are under God's reign, the family of God. The kingdom of God is the people of God who have been born anew into God's kingdom family through their faith in Christ's work on the cross and through his resurrection. That they are what John 3 would say are born again. They're a part of this new kingdom because of faith in Christ of what Jesus came to do to die and to liberate through his resurrection all who are burdened and bound by sin and set them free. See, Jesus and his kingdom are good news for the world's troubled people. I mean, think about that. Is your life troubled? I mean, is there something that troubling in you, troubling you in life or is trouble you've been through in life or you know you're about ready to go through trouble? Hey, Jesus' kingdom, the way God operates his rule and his reign is good news for the world's troubled people. 
If your life has trouble, Jesus in his kingdom is good news, and it's for you. It's not against you. And many people think that the kingdom of God is against them. But the kingdom of God is not against you. The kingdom of God is for you. And if you know someone whose life contains trouble, Jesus and how God operates his kingdom is good news for them. It's good news for us physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. It's good news for the world. And this is the way it's good news. It's favor for the poor. And the poor in now today's society is, are those who are economically poor, who have financially less than others. But in that day and age, the, those who were poor were the social, um, uh, lows of low social status or the outcasts. These were the people who didn't fit in. And, and Jesus would declare that his kingdom is, is for the poor. And, and, and this is good news for those. It's also freedom for the prisoner. Now in Jesus' day and age, this would be like the prisoner of war, the captive. And this is for those who are not just physically bound and and imprisoned, but spiritually bound, relationally imprisoned. See, it's, 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 it's for those who are bound. It's freedom for you. Freedom for those who need to be set free. For those spiritually bound in sin as a prisoner to sin, that, that, that those who are in prison because of their past can find freedom in the forgiveness of God. And those relationally bound. See, the kingdom people of God have this amazing power that God has given us because we're part of the kingdom people of God that we can offer forgiveness to those who wrong us. And in that, we can give someone else the key to the kingdom of God, which is forgiveness. And lead them closer to knowing who God is. To those who are, who are blind, it's healing for the, the blind. And these are reference those who are broken um, physically and sick, emotionally, mentally, physically, and even spiritually. There's a physical and a spiritual implication on all of these. For those who are physically needing healing, the power of God is, is accessed through the gospel of Jesus. The kingdom of God comes through the message of the good news and brings healing physically, mentally emotionally, and even spiritually. See, spiritually blind, those who cannot see God can, can discover God through the gospel of Jesus. And it's justice for the oppressed. It's justice for those who have been wronged. And this has a physical and a spiritual implication too. See, spiritually, evil has oppressed all of humanity, and Jesus came to emancipate, to liberate humanity from the curse of sin when people would put their trust in Jesus' death and his resurrection. And physically, the kingdom of God is justice for those who are oppressed. I mean, think about this. The kingdom of God has no place for evil. And so the people that are a part of the kingdom of God will not oppress other people. They will not selfishly put people under burdens to make it better for themselves. That's what oppression is. And the kingdom of God, the people of God, don't operate that way when they're under the uh, reign and rule of God. The people of God do this. That is justice. And and really what justice is, is the the, the kingdom people of God they come to the rescue of those who are suffering the oppression. That, in God's book, is true justice. To come to the rescue 
of the hurting, the broken, and the oppressed. Justice. That would have been one thing that the Jews would have recognized that Jesus actually didn't really talk about. Even though he said it was justice. In that Isaiah prophecy that Jesus quoted, he left out the second half of verse 2. And you can look this up later. I'll just tell you what it says now. Isaiah uh, chapter 61 verse 2 says it's favor. It declares the favor of the Lord. And then it says, and the vengeance of our God. And that's really what the Jews wanted. The Jews were ready for God to bring vengeance. And no, not on them. I mean, they didn't want that. I mean, you don't want God to bring vengeance on you, do you? They didn't want that either. You know what they wanted God to do? They wanted God to bring vengeance on all those people who wronged them, the Romans in that day. They were waiting for the Messiah to come and deliver and to overthrow the Roman government so they could then be in the place of power and do what we all think justice really is. See, we all think justice is when the other party suffers as, if, as much, if not more, as we suffer. That's justice. That's humanity's version of justice. And that's what the Jews wanted. Jesus said, I came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he excluded, intentionally, I think, excluded, in the day of vengeance of our God. And I think the Jews in that day and age would have recognized that. Now, why would Jesus not include that? Well, I don't believe it was because God's vengeance wasn't coming. Because I believe this. God's, Jesus was declaring that God's vindication on evil will be delayed. John 3 would say, Jesus didn't come into this world to condemn the world, to judge the world. One day that's going to come. God's going to judge everyone. But right now, he came into this world to save, to liberate. This is about justice. And justice is the one thing that we all want. But I think it's the one thing we don't really understand. See, Jesus wasn't coming to bring God's vengeance. Jesus was coming to bring salvation. And the Jews wanted the Messiah to defeat all the evil people. But here's the thing in that. Because isn't that what we want? Man, God, if you just take care of the evil people. I mean, why would, why would God allow all of the evil to happen? You know, the reality is, is if God were to right now take care of all the evil people, you know what he'd have to take care of? The evil in me. And he'd have to take care right now of the evil in you. But the kingdom of people of God understand something, that God's vindication will come just not yet. And that's good news because that's God's mercy at work. He's lovingly, patiently waiting for as many who will respond to respond and come to him in repentance. See, the way that God operates his kingdom is good news for you. God's not against you. And you may think that the kingdom of God is against you, but it's not. And here's a serious big idea that we are going to be looking at over the next several weeks. See, this is what, as we look at these stories that Jesus is going to tell, they're stories that are short stories, that are parables, that tell you the good news all about the kingdom of God. And it's important to understand the kingdom of God because understanding the kingdom of God will help you understand the good news it is about for you. See, Jesus told stories that are keys 
to the kingdom of God. Jesus was a master storyteller. The stories that Jesus tells are these keys that unlock the understanding for all of us to know the good news of his kingdom. And his stories are mind-boggling at times. And you're going to go, I don't understand it. But the scriptures, the gospels help you and I understand these. And, and, and it's a key, and like any key. It's only useful if you grab a hold of it, receive it, and use it. And unlock the understanding of what God wants you to know. Now, here's a question that as we look at these parables over the next several weeks, I want you to learn to ask a question that I've learned to ask. And it's something that I've kind of, kind of formulated after learning this from many different people who have different study methods of the, the Gospels and specifically the parables. But I want you to ask these three questions or this question that has these three components. What does this story tell or reveal about God? about humanity and about God's kingdom. It's important to ask this about the, 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 the stories. What does this parable of Jesus um, or the story that Jesus tells, a short story, reveal about God, about humanity, and about God's kingdom? See, Jesus, you need to understand, is the full revelation of God. To understand him is to know God. To, to see him in action is to see God in action. To hear him talk is to hear the words and read the words of God, actually. Like Jesus is God in a body. And to see him, and and if you want to know who God is, look no further than Jesus. He's the full revelation of who God is, and his stories give you a better understanding of who God is. And the stories he gives us also lets us know that the state of humanity, the state of me, the state of you. And his stories also are keys to experiencing the power of the good news of God's kingdom. Now, there's a story I want us to jump to as we end today in Luke chapter 18 to kind of put this into practice and also show you how Jesus came to do um, several of the four things that Jesus, when he read that prophecy in Isaiah 61, said he came and fulfilled. Okay? So this is a, a parable that, that, that fits that framework. And it's about a widow, if in Luke chapter 18, this parable that Jesus tells is about a widow who is broken and who has suffered an injustice. And in Luke 18 we read, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they would always pray, and not give up. And I love this. Luke helps you and I out because you're going to read this and I've read this. I go, what on earth is this about? Well, Luke doesn't want you to be in the, in the dark about this. In fact, he probably got this from the eyewitness account, like Peter, uh, he, who was a, a traveling companion of Peter. And um, he might have went to Peter and said, okay, Peter, um, tell me about the meaning of this parable. And, and so for you, because you're on this side of the telling of the story, you are not listening like the disciples were. Uh, Luke helps you and gives you a lead into the meaning of this, that the meaning of this is that you should always pray and not give up. In one translation, if you have another translation, it says, do not lose heart. So don't, don't lose heart. If you feel like you've lost heart in life, don't lose heart. Don't give up in this. And then he goes on to say this parable. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And just a little tidbit, I'm going to talk about it in a second. I mean, this is like the worst case scenario of giving justice. It's like justice for only self-preservation's sake. <laughs> it's interesting, that's um, a lot of the way we do justice in today's world. I'll let you think about that. And the Lord said, listen 
to what the unjust, the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice? Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? Will he find belief? Will he find people trusting? Will he find trust or faith or belief on the earth? So if we were to ask these aforementioned questions about the story, we first will ask, first, what does this story reveal to us about God? And this is not a story to compare God to the unjust judge. Okay, just let me just tell you that some people will say, well, I mean, they'll look at this and, well, if this tells me about God, well, this is unjust judge is there. Well, you can't compare God to the unjust judge because the judge, Jesus says, did not fear God, so therefore we cannot compare him with God. Okay? But what it does reveal to us, we see in verse 7 through 8, is that God does bring about justice. So he's just. He brings about justice for his chosen when the people in his kingdom. And you know the people in his kingdom are the ones who cry out day and night, who don't lose heart. See, God is just and serves justice for those who don't give up crying out to him. So are you troubled? Life unfair? You can trust in the kingdom of God and you can cry out to God knowing that he will give you justice. Knowing that he will make all things right in the end. He will vindicate all the pain. And the reason that you cry out to him. One day, he will reconcile it all. And he's telling you to pray and not give up. Do not lose heart in the midst. Endure this season. Endure this life and don't give up. Second, what does this story reveal about people? Well, it reveals that like the widow, we all suffer Injustice, don't we? Different levels, different ways. We all suffer pain. Life's not fair to any of us, just for the record. And we all suffer. So we're all like that. But it also shows us something about the unjust judge, which is a picture of humanity. See, the human judge is unjust because humanity is unjust. Those who don't fear God have no sense of true justice. And you may have some people that that don't know God, but their justice is limited. In fact, most of the justice that we see in the world today is self-preservation justice. Or it's some preservation of justice. It's not kingdom justice that does what is right because it's who God is and the way God operates and what we've received in him. See, think about this. God is the only one who has a true understanding of justice. And humanity, when we don't live in in fear of God, we will not act justly. We cannot. And humanity is therefore evil when we don't trust God. And that's what what, what leads us to be selfish and impose uh, and impress others. Because when I selfishly do something that it brings oppression to you, well, now I have been unjust to you. See, When we don't fear God, that's where it begins. And what does this tell us? Well, we are unjust when we don't fear God. And then what does this tell us about the kingdom of God? Well, in God's kingdom, 
God will serve justice. And he'll do it swiftly. And this is good news and bad news. See, good news, bad news, two sides of the same coin. That's what makes it good news, right? I mean, it's not good news if you don't understand the bad news. See, the kingdom of God is one where justice has been served on all sin. That's the bad news for those who don't have a trust in him. And here's the good news. It's the inheritance for those with faith who receive forgiveness in Christ. Because Jesus died, his death became the final act of justice and judgment on sin for everyone who trusts in Jesus as Savior and believes in him and confesses him as Lord. His one act on the cross is justice on the penalty of sin that I deserve and you deserve. He says justice will be served. The punishment of sin will come and I bear upon myself that punishment. And all you have to do is believe me. And when you trust in me, I give you my forgiveness. Because sin has to be punished. Justice must be served. And Jesus says, I take that upon myself for anyone who believes in me, confesses me as Lord and believes in me in their heart. And because we have forgiveness in Christ, we now receive an inheritance that we are now a part of this kingdom family of God. And the power of the gospel and good news is life to us. And our justice is that all that has been taken from us, all that sin, all that life is unfair about, will one day be restored fully in eternity. We have everything we need right now in Christ. You have everything you need to, to, to endure this life now. And one day in eternity, God will bring justice quickly. And in that justice, he will restore all things to everyone who puts their trust in him. That is amazing news. It is good news for all. Jesus will restore all things. And that is good news. And it makes it so good news. Is also the reason it's bad news. See, one day God will vindicate all those who have faith in Christ. That's the good news. The bad news is God will serve justice on all sinners who do not believe in Christ. You know the reason you don't take vengeance on someone who wrongs you? Is you know that you want them to experience the forgiveness that you received. Because you don't deserve it, neither do they. And you know that if they don't find Christ, God one day will serve vengeance on their injustice against you. And that's sobering bad news. And that's what makes the good news of the kingdom so powerful. And we know the certainty of this. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus. See, the resurrection of Jesus lets you understand the good news of the kingdom. And there's a teaching big idea for today. The kingdom of God is favor, freedom, healing, and justice. That's good news. The kingdom of God is God's favor on you because he's called you. And, and for those of us who have received fa- our, our life in Christ and we've received our place and our forgiveness in, through Christ's work alone, we've been called in this. 
And if you feel God's drawing you today, if you feel God's tugging you into this kingdom, I want you to know something, that this is God's favor on you. He's bringing you, he's inviting you, he's calling you into this. And God is for you. He wants to bring healing to you. He wants to bring healing to your broken heart. Life's not fair. It's not fair on your body. It's not fair on your mind. It's not fair on your emotions. And he wants to heal that. And his gospel, his kingdom, his way is power for you. It's healing. It's for the brokenness of our humanity. It's healing and it's justice. Because God would fully serve justice on Jesus for all the sin of the people who trust in Jesus as Savior. That's why Paul would say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to who? Everyone who believes. This is why you can keep on praying. This is why you can not lose heart. You don't want to, don't lose heart. Endure the unfairness of life because the kingdom of God is good news for all the world's troubled people. So don't give up and keep on praying. Because the good news of God's kingdom is the power of God to save. It's the power of God for you. Because God's not against you. He's for you. And today, we're going to put this into practice, not give up and pray. And we're going to pray with one another. We do this now regularly as a part of our church family because we want to initiate and we want to believe in God's power of work and the power of God's work is manifested in prayer. And, and we're going to pray with one another. And, and this is what I want you to do. Go ahead and will you stand with me? Everyone online, we want you to participate in this too. This is what I want you, I want you to stand with me. We're going to do something bold today. I want you to look at, find two or three people around you. Um, and, and I don't want anybody to be alone. Now, if you want to be left alone, just say, hey, not today to that person and, and, and we'll respect that. But I don't want anybody left alone. And we're going to ask a bold question. I want you to ask each other this bold question. They're putting it up on the screen right now. Have you trusted in the good news of God's kingdom? Will you be bold enough to ask this of the person that, that's sitting next to you? Maybe someone you love. Or maybe someone that's a friend or maybe someone you've never met, but you love them enough just to ask them this question. There's three ways that I'm, you have permission to respond today. There's three ways that all of us respond. Yes, I've received the good news of God's kingdom. And if someone says yes, they've received, this is how we want you to pray for them. Pray that God gives them the power to endure, okay? If someone says no, but they want to be a part of this kingdom and they want to begin that today. They want to receive the good news today. For those of you that are in that camp, maybe you've been telling God no for such a long time and today's the day that you're going to say, no, I'm receiving this. You're not, we're not gonna pray with you because prayers don't save us. Con, a confession saves us. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says this, that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Christ has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's confession that saves us, not our prayer. And so this is what I want you to do. I want you to confess to the person that asked you that question. I receive God's forgiveness. We're gonna keep it right up there. And you believe this in your heart. I receive God's forgiveness by trusting in Christ's death and resurrection. Jesus is my Lord. And if today's not the day, just simply say that. 
And we're going to pray with you that you will eventually, that you can put your trust in God's kingdom. So this is what I want you to do. Go ahead and find someone online. We want you to do this. And I want you to begin, ask that of one another and begin to pray with one another. Then we're going to sing. And this, wait, 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 wait. Also, we're going to celebrate baptism in a second as we sing. If this is your next step, if you need to be baptized, we want to celebrate this with you today. If someone's putting their faith in Christ for their first time, we have clothes for you. You don't have to be left out today. We want to celebrate this with you. Let's go ahead and pray.